The FanDuel Sportsbook has a massive gap between the Utah Jazz and the other play-in contenders. Accurate? I think not. Next on Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I am David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider today on Locked on Jazz. FanDuel gap. Is it real? I don't think so. Walker was wonderful last year. Let me give you a little statistical reminder of how much, but I did find gap in our offense. A lot of gaps today that I'm a little concerned about, but might have an answer in Keontae George. Some more media day notes. We'll look at the Eastern Conference's 240 after yesterday's Western Conference 240. That's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, lots of them today. Hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thank you so much for making Locked on Jazz your First listen of the day, and thank you to the everydayers that make this thing click. We are free. We are available on all podcasting platforms, including YouTube. Thank you very much for tuning in, uh, by the way. And on our YouTube question of the day, do you buy the FanDuel Gap? What is the FanDuel Gap? Well, if you look at the over-under numbers on the FanDuel Sportsbook, last time I checked, I have not, I did not go review all of these, but I looked about four or five. They're all the same. They have the Warriors at 48.5. Fine. They have the Lakers at 47.5. Lakers are always high. You always bet the under because the bet line. Clippers at 46.5. And then they have Memphis at 45.5, which I think is disastrously low. But now we have the next cadre of teams, the gaggle of teams that are all the exact same. Literally, All of them are the exact same in the FanDuel over-under. 44.5. Sacramento, Dallas, Minnesota, New Orleans, and Oklahoma City. Five teams that are all the exact same. Sacramento, Dallas, Minnesota, New Orleans, and Oklahoma City. And they're all at 44.5. It's incredible like race, if this is true. So that, by the way, it's Denver 1, Phoenix 2, Warriors 3, LA 4, Clippers 5, Memphis 6 for the playoffs. And then they have Sacramento, Dallas, Minnesota, New Orleans, and Oklahoma City, five teams at the exact same 44.5 to get to four play-in spots. They have the Rockets at 31.5. I'm not sure what I think of that. They have the Spurs at 28.5, which I actually think is a little high. Portland's now in at 28.5 also. And then there's us. And we're sitting at this bizarre 35.5, right? So Utah Jazz, FanDuel over-under, is 35.5. It's kind of a 35.5 in your over-under, okay? And the next closest, I'm writing this down so it's on the screen, is five teams at 44.5. 
So let me add this, ask this question. Do you believe that Oklahoma City, New Orleans, Minnesota, Dallas, and Sacramento are nine wins better than the Utah Jazz? Are all is there is there that big a gap between the Utah Jazz and those nine wins is a mammoth amount. I'll take a quick side note here. Nate Duncan kind of pointed this out last night. I did the Dunked On podcast jazz preview. If this is true, and we're nine games out of making a play-in, then we want to keep our draft pick. Remember, our, our pick is top 10 protected. Um, And so, with our picks being top 10 protected, if we're really that far out, then we end up probably being nine games less good, maybe even more um, because of the fact that we end up doing maybe a little bit of what we did at the end of the year last year to get into draft position. If FanDuel's 100% accurate, by the way, Washington, Detroit, Charlotte... Portland, San Antonio, Houston, six, are the only teams that are projected to have a less good record than the Jazz this year. Now, Orlando, Toronto, Chicago, and Brooklyn are all very close, within two. But in the Western Conference, there's this massive gap. I I don't think that gap is real. Now, the West is going to be interesting. 12 of the 15 teams are trying to win every day. Sacramento's 44.5 seems pretty harsh for a team that was that good. And so maybe their gap is real, except for the fact they got through with such injuries. I think Memphis is 45.5 is low. I think Memphis will be much better. They've won 50 games both the last two years. I have a hard time understanding why they're not going to do that again. And I actually have Minnesota last yesterday we talked about in their 240, and I think Minnesota plays a home game. So really, to some extent, what we're talking about is Dallas, New Orleans, and Oklahoma City. And maybe we're really just talking about New Orleans, and Oklahoma City. I feel like everyone's a year early on Oklahoma City right now. If you look at Oklahoma City, they have a top, maybe a top 10 player in Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Maybe, okay. And then who? their second best player is whom? Josh Giddy or Jalen Williams. And their top 100? Probably. You put Oklahoma City's core three on the floor together. Last year, they were minus. You put their all their returners together, they're minus. There's actually, of the 12 teams competing, they're the only team where that's the case. Now, they add Chet Holmgren, but he's a rookie. I think he'll have a defensive impact. But if we don't really think Victor Webanyama is going to have a huge impact on San Antonio's win total. Why do we think Chet Holmgren is going to have a massive win total on Oklahoma City? Oklahoma City had four players on their roster last year that were in estimated in uh, Taylor Snar's dunks and threes were estimated plus minus positive. Three. Maybe... If we look at it, maybe 
Maybe four. Let me check it again. I think there might have been four. Um, And that's the, that's kind of the low end here. Shea was unbelievable, plus six. Kendrick Williams, who's kind of out of the rotation a little bit, was plus one. Isaiah Joe was plus 0.9 and Lou Dort was plus 0.8. As good as Jalen Williams was, he'll probably be positive. And Josh Giddey's negative. We'll look at estimated plus minus here coming up. But the only rosters that have Portland actually has five now guys that are five guys that are estimated plus minus positive. Houston has three. I think the Spurs have none and we have four. Zach Collins was even last year, but the Spurs don't have a single guy on their roster that was estimated plus minus positive. We had Lowry was plus four, nine Walker plus two, one Kelly plus 0.5 Jordan plus 0.2 Chris Dunn plus 0.1. We've got five. If you count Chris Dunn, Little, little hard to know. I, I generally don't count someone in 22 games, just so you know. Four is kind of the low end. Teams that only have four are the Lakers. I guess we're getting into this today. The Lakers, the Clippers, the Grizzlies, the Thunder, and the Jazz. Denver's got five. Phoenix got f- six. Golden State's got six. Minnesota's got six. Pelicans have six. So I don't think that gap is fair. And the Pelicans, it's just a house of cards of whether or not Zion plays. But the Pelicans might have two players in the top 30 and Brandon and Zion. And then their next best player is CJ McCollum. And he, that was not a good year. He's a top 100 player in the NBA. Oklahoma City's got three guys in the top 100. Now, we have a talent deficit. And for us to exceed that, some guys have to break through, right? Right now, if you look at the Jazz, we have probably one guy in the top 20, 30, and very few other players in the consensus top 100. So Walker's got to get there. Jordan's got to get there. And probably John Collins has to get there for us to go be competing at the 44.5 or at least close. But nine games feels like a lot. That's our YouTube question of the day is, are those five teams nine games better than the Utah Jazz? All right, we're just getting started. Walker is wonderful. And I will remind you why, but I also have a gap for us offensively. Maybe Keontae George is the answer to today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at Murdoch Hyundai located at 4646 South State Street also located in Logan and in Linden special thanks to Murdoch for their years of commitment and to us uh, I was trying to reach Blake the other day just to say hi because he's just that good a guy and I enjoy uh, chatting with him Uh, but they've got great stuff going on the new Kona is sporty and fabulous the uh with the way it, uh, it it zips around. Uh, the Palisade is the absolute fabulous King Poobah of the SUVs, and I'm driving the Santa Cruz right now, and it's absolutely fabulous. That pause, by the way, was I just remembered I'm supposed to send Ben Johnson a picture, and I forgot. So that was that little pause in that read there. Go stop by Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street, or for, feel free to touch, to grab me first and have me set up a VIP meeting for you with everything going on over at Murdoch Hyundai so that you can walk on the, uh, lot and know you're going to get treated like you should as a locked on everydayer uh, with Murdoch Hyundai. Today's show is also brought to you by Bird Dogs. They're so good. They're just that good, frankly. Birddogs.com slash locked on NBA. But they're just the most comfortable shorts you're ever going to wear. Like Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you that truly sculpted look. 
Bird dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they do. They fit way better. They're not, they've gotten rid of the stiff, restricting cotton short. They look good. You can wear them formally. You can wear them athletically. They're absolutely fabulous. Bird Dogs fixed the issue, inventing the cool knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so that it feels better. That is it. Birddog.com slash locked on NBA to check out your free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NBA for a free water bottle at checkout. You don't want to take off your Bird Dogs. We promise you, go check it out today. Bird Dogs, you'll be so pleased with the purchase. Walker Kessler is wonderful. Well, let's get to why here for you. Thank you very much to all the everydayers that tune in. Thanks to all the five-star reviews over at lot on iTunes as well. Spotify's got reviews and comments on the show. Uh, love that. Please subscribe if you're over on YouTube so that you get notified each and every time it is locked on jazz. Your daily podcast on the Utah jazz will be with you. Uh, from Hawaii, we might do a little special extra coverage for you coming up. Um, if you, uh, When we all get there, we'll see how the guys are feeling um, and get it going. should be a lot of fun. So, uh, all right. So I did a little, I, I'm doing my preseason prep and uh, did a little work on Walker. Um, so Walker moved into the starting lineup on January 10th last year. 34 games, he averaged 12 points, 11 rebounds, and three block shots. He shot 72% from the field. He shot 48% from the free throw line. The one thing that's interesting in this stretch, so we're guaranteed to have a great defense when I tell you all the rest of stuff, is actually that didn't happen. So 12 points, 11 rebounds is terrific. 72% shooting is terrific. He had a massive impact on the offense. In the, well, and defensively, he did some cool stuff. Listen to this. So on pick and roll bigs, Defending the screen after the All-Star break. He was the number two pick and roll big in the NBA defending the screen behind Kayvon Looney of the Golden State. What's interesting, Chris Dapps Przingis was three and uh, number four, I think Robert Williams was right in there. So guys have all switched teams. You say Boston's going to miss Robert Williams if they got Chris Dapps Przingis. Um, so he was the number one, two pick and roll Defensive guard, uh, big man in the NBA after the All-Star break. Only Kayvon Looney was better. Uh, he allowed the, f- after January 10th, when he went in the starting line for those 34 games, he allowed the fifth fewest rim shots of anyone, the Jazz allowed, the Jazz allowed, the fifth fewest rim shots of any team in the NBA. So we decided, we just took away the rim. And Walker defended eight shots a game inside six feet, which was the eighth most of any big in the NBA. So he wasn't playing huge minutes, but he was having a massive impact. He was the second best rim defender in the NBA who defended at least five shots a night. The only one better was Brooke Lopez, who should have been defensive player of the year. Opponent shot 14 percentage points below average when Walker Kessler was next to the rim last year, defending inside six feet. 14 percentage points. Only Brooke Lopez was better. Only Kayvon Looney was better defending the pick and roll. So what gets super interesting here is can this parlay automatically into an elite level defense? The answer last year was no. We were 21st in the league defensively after January 10th. 
So I think that's, you know, we're going to have to figure that out. How do we, how do we get to that? Like, how do we become after January 10th, a better defensive team? Well, part of it is if you look at the four factors, we just forced so few turnovers that it was actually impossible for us to be a good defensive team. We got into this shell. We exaggerated the shell. We were probably teaching a little bit and it just got to be a bit much for us um, because of the fact that I think when you look at it, it just, I mean, we were, I think we forced like 8% of possessions as turnovers in that time. Just too, too little. So we're going to have to be a little bit more aggressive on the ball. And, um, but generally all the other pieces of the puzzle are there to do it. So when you start looking at the four factors of an NBA defense, you look at how, and what, what rate did you defend? So after January 10th last year, we were ninth in the league against the shot. Okay. That's, that's there. Do you foul or not? We were 11th in the league at not fouling. Perfect. Great. Do we rebound? We were 14th in the league in defensive. Re- so all of those are there to get us to be a good defensive team. Now that we have Walker Kessler doing their, the one thing was this crazy turnover number. We forced 10.4% of all possessions as turnovers. There were only two teams in the NBA that were below 12 other than us in that stretch. Okay, so that's it. Like, can we force, play that shell, but actually force some turnovers? And then, yeah, then we can be well above average defensively. Okay, I found an offensive issue that has me open my eyes a little bit. Okay. Uh, when I was prepping us, we're lacking two types of three-point shots. Okay. The off-the-bounce three-point shot is missing from our roster with any efficiency at all. And the above-the-break three is a little bit missing off of our roster. Okay. So the above the break three, 36% is kind of the average in the NBA on three-point shooting. And the above the break average, I think, is a a little right around that, maybe a little below that number. So just kind of to put it in perspective. And the off the bounce three is really important if you're playing pick and roll, which we did not do a lot of, but you, you would like to have the pick and roll be part of your concept, right? Like we were 26th in the league in pick and roll last year. The above the break three last year was a 35.8 was the league average corner was 38.6. Okay. So you want to be over 36%. So let's start with the off the bounce threes from last year on our roster. Jordan Clarkson took the most at 34%. Not great. Taylor Norton Tucker took the second most at 28%. Lowry took 54, which is less than one a game. He made 30%. Sexton took 43, which is less than one a game. He made 47%. And then really, Simone was 27% and Ochai Abaji was 24%. So like we just, we, Jordan Clarkson takes a lot of them at 213. Frankly, Jordan ended the year in his final 100 some odd attempts at 30%. That's actually getting poor enough you don't want to take it. So we only have really two guys that take the off the bounce three, Jordan Clarkson and Taylor Horton Tucker. Jordan is at 34% and Tucker's at 28%. That's really going to be hard for Will Hardy. Now I will admit, I have the same thought you have right now that gets a little interesting is that's something Keontae George can probably do or is going to have to try to do. 
and has the skill set to do it. Okay, above the break three is super important because the above the break three is actually better for spacing than the corner three. You're going to fill both corners, but you want to have the above the break three available. Okay, so Lowry is our best above the break three-point shooter at 36%. Collins right up there too, but I'll get to that in a second. And Lowry took 407, and that is awesome because that pulls that guy out. And if he's playing the five, it's even better. It's just great. But 36%, he's right. He's at league average. He's not, we don't have a dead eye. You know, I said this the other day and I was a little nervous that Spencer Keel hadn't like retweeted anything I'd said in a while. I thought it might have really been bad. And then he finally did. So I felt confident again. Thank you, Spencer. But so Lowry's at 36% on his three-point shoot. Jordan's above the break is 33%. Okay, so that's three percentage points below league average. Kelly had a pretty good year last year at 38%. And Ochai was to be the next guy, but it, it's not, it's not Ochai's game yet. He was at 28% last year on above the break threes. And only 34 of those were off the bounce. He was eight of 34 off the bounce. He was 36 of 130 overall for 28%. So let me run through the above the break three point shooters. Lowry's 36. Clarkson takes a lot at 33. Kelly took a decent amount at 38. Great. And he had a great year. Taylor Norton Tucker was at 28%. Over half of those were off the bounce though. So we're kind of talking about the same number. Simone was only at 31%. Colin took 96 catch and shoot th- or above the break threes last year, of which I think about half of them were catch and shoot, and he made 38%. The ner- He actually makes more kind of off the bounce than he does off the catch and shoot. Ochai, as I mentioned, was 28%. Lucas Samanich took 23. Chris Dunn took 31. Chris Dunn made half of them. So those are two pretty big gaps on our roster is who's the above the break three-point shooter that stretches the floor and who's the off the bounce three-point shooter. So interesting. All right, a few more media day notes. I told you we're just getting started. Got some media day notes, some interesting comments, and then we'll look at the, well, quickly, we won't, I won't bore you to this, but Bryce Sensabout had some really interesting things, as did Ochai Baji, as did Colin Sexton. And we'll have all of those as we continue here on today's edition of Locked On. Jazz. We've been talking about FanDuel all day. You can bet the NBA over-unders on FanDuels. We've just been talking about uh, FanDuel is the official sports book of Locked On. And FanDuel's got some great deals for you going on right now with a uh, new customers get a $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose, from America's number one sports book, whether whether you win or lose. So spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. You can kick off the NFL season. You can get all going with the NFL. You can kick off the NBA season with some of these over-under plays. FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. It's the official sportsbook of Locked On. Visit FanDuel.com, including money lines, props, all the things you need to get on over-unders in the NBA. We've been talking about throughout the whole show today with FanDuel. So feel free to jump on those if you have some. When I give you the 240 coming up, that might be a little bit more data that you might want to be able to get involved with FanDuel. Do it at FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. You new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your $5 bet. All right. Let's go to media day. Uh, By the way, have you got your Jazz Plus yet? So fired up about it content team is just doing amazing work. If you've been following the Utah Jazz on Instagram and on social, there have been super fun posts by Gabby and others 
um, coming out of Hawaii right now. So make sure you grab those. Uh, Bryce Sensabaugh, a few notes from me today. He's been playing for six weeks. Um, just had a great energy, super fun, super cool. What I thought was most interesting about Bryce Sensabaugh on media day is he talked about hitting open shots, finding open areas, and if I can get gravity. So here's a guy who played with the ball in his hands every single minute of every single day at Ohio State, rarely passed it, made shots everywhere on the court, unbelievable one-on-one player, and he was smart enough to be at training camp talking about finding space, creating gravity, hitting open shots. In other words, I am playing off of other people. He is complimenting the vets. I thought that was a really interesting comment that he got there, um, that he kind of had that. Ochai was really interesting too, because Ochai, he talked about, he's been working with some guys in the off season. He talked about getting downhill, but really what was interesting to me about Ochai was here. He was second year. He's older, but talking about a leadership position, he's just a natural leader. He's just that wonderful a kid. I've said this about him a million times. His personality is so incredible. And so he's talking about that as a large part of what he's doing this year is that he's trying to have a, uh, a leadership role with this team. Um, and all the other one I told him, asked him, like, what would you tell the young kids? He said, just control the controllables. There's so many uncontrollables to what you're going to experience in a rookie year. Um, if you're ever that, then Colin Sexton was really awesome. I, I just couldn't root for a kid more than Colin Sexton. He's just got such great energy, such great desire, such great uh, interest in doing it. He talked about balance and he talked about patience and he talked about all the right things. And honestly, I have no idea if he can do them. I know he wants to, and I think it's truly wonderful, and I'm rooting for him to do it. But his his natural game is such just pizzazz and burst and energy and fire, and he's talking about balance and patience, and um, it's just so clear to me he knows what he should do and what would break him through to the other side, and I just don't know whether he has the skill to match it. Like there, I think the business example is like there's some guys who want to be these incredible salespeople and they should be sales managers. And there's other people who want to be sales managers and they should just be salespeople. Some people want to be CEOs and they probably should be something else. Like, I don't know, like probably me. Um, but I, you know, when it, it's so interesting to hear him because the desire and the passion and the energy is all in the right place, which is the first thing you have to have. Um, you know, uh, he talked about being efficient. He just talked about doing the right thing. and It was super interesting to hear. All right, let's go to the Eastern Conference 240. Big show, a lot of stuff today. Um, I only have one team in the Eastern Conference who in my mind has 240 minutes on their roster right now. And that's the New York Knicks. If I look at the New York Knicks roster and they're starting five, Jalen Brunson, Quinton Grimes, R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson with Harkenstein, Josh, Dante DiVincendo, Emmanuel Quickly, maybe Evan Fournier, I doubt it, with either Isaiah Roby or Jericho Sims as a backup, like, I I think that's 240 minutes. Interestingly, and I know they're a mess, but the next closest to me in the Eastern Conference is Philadelphia. Now, that has James Harden playing, but Harden, Beverly, Maxie, Harris, Tucker and Bede with Mo Bamba or Paul Reed as the backup. DeAnthony Milton, Kelly Oubre, maybe Daniel House is kind of borderline. But I think they've, I think they have, I think they have 240 also right now, or a little less. I think I had Philadelphia. They don't really have a backup power forward. I had them 10 minutes short there with 
PJ Tucker's age, Joel Embiid, like they're a little short. They might actually with PJ Tucker's age, I don't think you can pencil him in for 30 anymore. So they might be Philly might be at 225. That's the best I got for anyone. I mean, Boston and Milwaukee have made these massive trades and their teams are great, but so Drew Holiday, Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Chris Dapsingus, Al Horford. No question. Okay, your backup three is Lamar Stevens. Maybe. Your backup one is Peyton Pritchard. Maybe. I think so. Your backup two is maybe Sam Hauser. And your backup center is Wayne and Gabriel? Oh, my. Right? So, like, let's say all those guys are playing 35 and you're short 13. Maybe I give you Peyton Pritchard, but you don't have a backup shooting guard. I, I don't think you have a backup small forward. And you don't really have a backup center. Like, you're short 40 minutes. I've got Boston at 200. Here's what gets interesting about this. When one of your main guys, when you only have 200 and one of your main guys go down, what happens? Milwaukee's got Damian Lillard, Malik Beasley, Chris Middleton, Giannis, Brooke Lopez. Bobby Portis, backup center, no problem. Pat Connaughton, no problem, small forward. The addition of campaign certainly helped Milwaukee. It bumped them up to 225 in my book. But they don't have a backup shooting guard, and I don't think you can pencil in Malik for more than 25, so you're short 20-some-odd 20, 20 minutes right there. Pat Connaughton's fine, and we'll see about Jay Crowder, but it's backing up Giannis, so it's not the big. So they really don't have a backup shooting guard, and we'll see about the, the addition of Cameron Payne. Certainly helps them, but I have them at 220. I have them short 20 minutes. The Cavaliers are at 225. I like Cleveland a lot this year. I think Cleveland could be the number one seed in the Eastern Conference while everybody else rests. Darius, Donovan, Chris, Karis LeVert, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, fine. Max Struess. George Niang as your backup with Isaac, Isaac Okoro as a backup, maybe in that fight. They don't have a backup point guard. They're short there. They're right now they're going with Ty Jerome. He's not proven. And they Damian Jones, former Jazzman's their backup center. That, that might be a little bit of a sketch. So they're a little short. Everyone else is short. Miami's at 220. Atlanta's at like 220. Indiana's at 205. Brooklyn's at 210. The Eastern Conference is short minutes. Brooklyn's got Spencer Dinwiddie, Mikel Bridges, Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal, Nick Claxton. That's good. Cam Johnson back. Great. Lonnie Walker's bona fide. What gets super interesting about Brooklyn is if you think Ben Simmons can give him 25 minutes a night, they actually complete out their roster. They don't have a backup center unless you think De'Ron Sharp is a bona fide rotation player. I'm not there yet. And I'm not there yet with Cam Thomas, despite his ability to score. And I'm not quite there with Dennis Smith Jr. But some of those guys could step up and they could get to 240 really easily. Similar to us a little bit, that we could get to 240 pretty easily. Brooklyn's interesting. 37.5, I think I'm popping the over on Brooklyn. They got four guys that are positive estimated plus minus. They just don't have that top end talent. They got three guys that are in the top 50, top 100 in the NBA, but that's all Indiana has. Toronto might have four. Orlando only has three. Charlotte only has one. Atlanta's only got three also. New York does have four. Miami's only got three guys in the top 100. It's not, they're they're, they're a talent deficit, but not as big as we are over in the Western Conference. All right, that is Locked on Jazz today. We'll have another one for you tomorrow. Some of our guys had surprisingly good clutch seasons last year without a lot of experience. Might be a good sign for this upcoming year. We'll talk about that on the program as well. Spacing with Walker Kessler and John Collins for Lowry Markin. And how do we do that? And we will look at like this positive estimated plus minus kind of who's got the top level players 
on their rosters and top 100 minute or top 100 players as well for the Western Conference tomorrow on the show. Thanks very much for tuning in. This is Locked On Jazz. Sunday, we're playing basketball in Hawaii. Tuesday in Seattle. Can you believe it? It's Locked On Jazz by the Locked On Podcast Network.